Hey, this is Spencer, and this is Next Exit, Episode 8. And if you've listened to the previous seven episodes of the podcast, one of the things that becomes pretty apparent uh, in the United States is the barrier that health insurance becomes in uh, doing something on your own. Uh, that's uh, because you know when you do go out on your own, you have to take care of that for yourself, and, and that can become uh, daunting. It is a barrier to innovation uh, in this country. So I thought it'd be a good idea to talk to somebody about, you know, how you would go about getting insurance for yourself. Um, you know, this is not the the end of the conversation. This should be just the beginning. As uh, you know, I assume that this is going to be an issue that comes up from time to time uh, in the podcast, and uh, we won't leave it alone. Um, We'll probably come back to it uh, uh, as time uh, goes on. So here's the podcast. For my listeners outside the United States, you can listen and smirk, and and as you realize how effed up the healthcare system is in the United States. I've talked to a number of people that have gone out on their own and switched careers. And one of the things that seems to come up over and over again is how healthcare ends up being an obstacle to doing that. So today I have a special guest to dis- uh, to discuss this topic with us. Marta Rusek is a digital storyteller and one of the organizers of the grassroots campaign Get Covered Philly, which worked to promote open enrollment for Obamacare. Thanks for joining me today, uh, Marta. Not a problem. Glad to do it. For the self-employed and underemployed, health insurance is a is is a huge issue to navigate because you you have to take care of it yourself. Mm-hmm. So, for someone who has been in group plans all of their lives, what's the biggest surprise for people trying to find health insurance for that first time? Well, I think there's a couple of different things that people face when looking for health insurance. And one thing that I'll definitely preface our conversation with today is that um, I come to this uh, discussion as a concerned citizen in Philadelphia who wants to make sure everybody who needs health insurance is able to get health insurance. Uh, So I'll point out that I'm not a certified application counselor or licensed insurance agent, but I'm happy to share information on people who are um, on the website after this podcast is over. So I'm going to come at this from my own experiences navigating health insurance, both as somebody who works for an employer that provides health insurance, but also as somebody who for many years had to kind of fend for myself when it came to health insurance. And I'll say that, Excellent. yeah, finding insurance is very easy. There are websites out there now. There's healthcare.gov, which offers a very nice marketplace with detailed information about insurance plans. Um, But there are some terms and things that uh, first-time buyers may encounter that they're not really sure what they mean because they've had the luxury of having um, an employer take care of the paperwork and the information and costs that go with it. So uh, there's actually a very good glossary on healthcare.gov if you're new to the insurance marketplace and you want to know what is a premium, what is a deductible, what is a copayment. All of those definitions are listed on that website. And uh, there's a lot that goes into it. But if you're willing to put in the time to take a close look at plans to see which one's going to be the best based on your health needs, uh, that's what's going to help you in the long run. 
Gotcha. Um, I assume that sticker shock is one of the things that really um, that floors people when they when they uh, come in and, and, and start looking for themselves. Yeah. What's nice about healthcare.gov, where a lot of people go to purchase uh, private insurance for the first time, is uh, you can really determine based on what are your, you know, what are health, current existing conditions that you have, what are some reasons why you might need to go to the doctor, how often do you go to the doctor, and how much of your income are you eager to use when paying for your healthcare. Healthcare.gov is great because it allows you to see the plans based on the uh, metal structure. So there's uh, bronze plans, silver plans, gold plans, and platinum plans. And you can basically take a look on the website based on your zip code, how much you're making, your age, and uh, healthcare.gov will also ask, you know, are you a smoker? Uh, You know, are you able to get insurance through an employer and a couple of other things? Uh, So the sticker shock is real, but the thing to keep in mind is that while insurance plans do go up for private insurers and employee, or I'm sorry, employer offered insurance plans, if you get insurance through healthcare.gov's marketplace and you qualify for the premium tax credit based on your income, uh, that tax credit will go up as your insurance rates go up each year as well. Okay, excellent. So when you're looking at those uh, those plans are there uh, you know big is there going to be a big difference in the type of coverage that people will get from a private plan like these to a group plan sure what's nice about working for an employer is there's a lot of benefits you can get that you might not necessarily have access to as a self-employed person or somebody that has to get insurance on their own for whatever reason, maybe your um, employer can only hire you for a part-time status, in which case, by law, they're not required to offer you a plan. They can, but they don't have to. Uh, And some of those benefits include a flexible spending account. So if you uh, have health insurance costs like prescriptions or procedures or anything else that your insurance doesn't cover, uh, a flexible spending account takes out money from your paycheck before the tax kicks in and is put into an account so that you can use that money to cover those additional costs that are incurred. You also have to consider that an employer is going to offer paid time off in the form of sick days. And um, if you're a parent, there's maternity and paternity leave. Unfortunately, not all um, employers offer paid leave when it comes to taking care of a child, which is unfortunate. Now, private health insurance, if you're an army of one or you work for an employer that doesn't offer it to you for whatever reason... Uh, you know, you have to fend for yourself when it comes to insurance. But if you're worried about, you know, getting sick while you're on the job, and you don't have the luxury of paid time off, um, you can contact an insurance broker to find out about disability insurance. There's also payroll insurance deductions, which uh, a lot of people know about through those crazy Aflac commercials, where you'll hear about somebody who got in an accident, or they got sick while they were at work, and they unfortunately can't work at that moment, but they're able to get insurance that covers their medical bills and keeps the lights turned on while they're recovering and getting ready to go back to work. What's also nice about um, uh, healthcare.gov's marketplace and um, also the ACA, which created uh, healthcare.gov, there's a lot of protections that consumers enjoy now that were not always um, enforced because of, you know, our healthcare system kind of being what it is. 
Thanks to the Affordable Care Act, policyholders cannot be dropped from their plan if they get sick. Uh, they um, can't be turned down for health insurance if they have pre-existing conditions. Lifetime limits on essential health care services, like going to the emergency room, were lifted. Uh, children can stay on their parents' plan until age 26. All necessary immunizations are covered. And what's great if you're a woman is your uh, preventative care and medically necessary screenings, like uh, you know, seeing if you might have breast cancer by going to get a mammogram or going to your OBGYN and making sure that you're healthy, those medically necessary screenings are 100% covered. You will not have to pay out of pocket for them. So there are definite differences and pluses and minuses to both. So there are some things um, that are referred to as mm-hmm. essential benefits. Uh, and I think you're referring to some of those there. Those would be um, based on the ACA, um, the same type of coverage or those same types of benefits would be provided to both private plans and group group plans. Is that correct? Yeah. Essential coverage is provided in both. What's going to be different is things like deductibles and co-pays. So a deductible basically is the amount that you um, your plan has to kind of hit before your insurance company will kick in and start paying for it. So I found out the hard way what a deductible was a couple of years ago when I worked for a retailer and it was my first time having insurance that wasn't attached to my parents' plan. And I thought, this is great. I'll, I'll have insurance if I get hit by a bus, God forbid, anything like that, I'll be covered. What I didn't realize is the deductible on that plan, which was the only plan that the company offered to part-time employees, was $2,500. So that meant I would have to run up a medical bill of $2,500 and pay out of pocket for it before my insurance would start to cover you know, anything else that happened to me. So that, that, was, that was pretty intense. Uh, but um, aside from that, you know, the, the basic benefits of health insurance plans are consistent. It's just what's the price tag that's going to be attached to it. Gotcha. So what about vision and dental? Uh, some places do have them included. I used to work for a company that um, had it, but you had to pay a little bit extra for it instead of, you know, your health insurance with the primary benefits were covered by the organization, but the uh, dental benefits were something you had to add yourself. If you decide to get private insurance through healthcare.gov's marketplace or through uh, your local state exchanges, uh, most of them do offer vision and dental benefits for an additional fee. Now, in the nonprofit world, um, nonprofits understand that salaries are going to be substantially less because uh, you're a mission-driven organization helping people that really need it, and you might not um, be bringing in as much money as, say, a for-profit company. But what's the trade-off for working for a nonprofit is a lot of them do offer uh, vision and dental included in the uh, the price of the health insurance that uh, might be deducted from your paycheck or that they'll cover 100%. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. So over the course of the past year, we've kind of, I mean, obviously health insurance has been in the news a lot for mm-hmm. over the course of the past year and a half. Um, how much of a step back have we taken um, in that year and a half? Sure. I think the real question is, what's the current administration doing that puts the Affordable Care um, Act at risk of not being an effective piece of legislation that it could be? Keep in mind, the Affordable Care Act was one of the biggest overhauls of our health insurance system since 1965, when Medicaid and Medicare were passed by Lyndon Johnson. 
So with all those provisions I was talking about before, those are at risk of disappearing if the Affordable Care Act is completely dismantled over time, which the current administration has been very clear that they they consider Obamacare to be a problem to the United States of America, even though those provisions have ensured the lowest uninsured rate of coverage in the United States in a long time. Uh, the current administration also has uh, made it difficult for people to get insurance in the coming year, which is not good. Uh, in 2017, the open enrollment period to get health insurance was slashed by about 50%. So when the uh, health insurance open enrollment began in 2013, you had 90 days to apply for a health insurance plan in the coming year. So you had it from November 15th until January of the following year. So even though the year had started, you could still apply for a plan in it. Now you have from November 1st until 15th, which for people like me, a couple of years ago when I was working several jobs at once and I barely had a moment to sleep, much less think about what am I going to do about health insurance in the coming year, Having a substantial reduction like that to time runs the risk of somebody not being able to find the time to call an insurance company, find out if their coverage is changing and if they can still afford the plan and actually get enrolled, um, you know, much less being able to think about those needs down the line. They also decided to reduce the uh, marketing budget for the Affordable Care Act from $100 million to $10 million. And a lot of people were found when they were interviewed by different news agencies that they had no idea that the open enrollment period was even happening. And there is a measurable correlation between marketing for health insurance and the rate of uh, uninsured persons you know, being reduced. So when you tell people that there's an open enrollment period and they need to hurry up and get health insurance, the uninsured rate goes down because people are taking those heating seriously. Okay, let me ask you a question about open enrollment. So uh, obviously, so we have a shorter period of time. So that open enrollment, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, so that's for somebody that's newly coming into the market, has a, a need, um, they can come in during that period of time and add, uh, and add health insurance, correct? Yes and no. So okay. the open enrollment period is for anybody that needs an insurance plan in the coming year. Right. However, if you get married, if you have a new baby, if you lose your job and suddenly you're making substantially less than you were, those are what are called uh, life-changing events. So if you have a life-changing event in February, you can call your insurance company or you can go to healthcare.gov and say, I've had this life-changing event. I need to make updates to my insurance because I now have a spouse or I have a baby on the way or I can't afford my health insurance because I don't have a job lined up right now. Uh, with the open enrollment, it also means you may have people who are brand spanking new to insurance, but you might also have people like me who year after year have to re-up their insurance. And the insurance company's coverage does change. So one year a plan might be amazing, but then the next year that plan has doubled or the premiums or deductibles have changed so much that it's no longer viable. You also have people that maybe their health deteriorates and they need to go for a plan that is um, going to have a lower deductible, but it's going to have a higher premium because they know that they're going to be going to the doctor a lot more often. So different strokes for different folks based on what they're making, what their life situation is like, and how much care they need. That's really going to determine who is taking advantage of the open enrollment 
and who may be getting insurance for the first time or doing a different plan. Excellent. And so, and those, um, those life changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's go to some of the examples that I've had of people that have left jobs. We've had people that have been laid off, but I've also had people that have decided, you know what, I need to end, I, I need to, to quit a job. Are there different types of life changes? So would that be, for instance, do you know whether or not that would be covered? Oh, absolutely. I was laid okay. off from a position a few years ago and I went from having a comfortable salary to having no salary. So I was, um, I met the qualifications or I'm sorry, I should say the requirements of being able to receive Medicaid in the state of Pennsylvania. And it was a tough decision for me because I thought that, you know, I'm, I'm a person who can easily find a job. I just don't know when the next job is coming. And so I felt guilty because I thought I'm taking away health insurance from a family that might really need it, that is barely making ends meet. But I was fortunate to have people that reminded me, you're already paying into um, health insurance in the state because you have your Medicaid and um, you know other deductions like Social Security. So you're paying into those services already. You have every right to pick up the phone and make a phone call and say, I'm, I'm on hard times. I don't have insurance lined up and I need to. What can you do to help me? So, but if I leave a job as opposed to um, being laid off, would I have access to healthcare.gov? Absolutely. Um, Okay. Mm -hmm. Because again, you're having a life-changing situation where you no longer have uh, the insurance, but if uh, you're getting laid off or anything else that would um, qualify for you to get COBRA, you can definitely apply for it. But COBRA can be pretty expensive because uh, those employer issued health plans or can actually be very, very nice. So something to watch out for. <laughs> hey, this is Spencer. I wanted to clarify a couple of things. The qualifying events for COBRA are as follows. Voluntary or involuntary termination of employment for reasons other than gross misconduct and the reduction in the number of hours of employment. So in those cases, you would qualify for COBRA. This is from the Department of Labor website, which uh, I will provide a link to this information in the show notes. But by all means, if you're in this situation and you quit a job, you should be uh, eligible for COBRA, but check with your uh, insurance broker. Yeah, the, the I think uh, um, uh, a guy I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, Andrew, he said that um, that was the he thought it was very sweet when he heard about COBRA for the first time. And then he got the uh, what the price would be mm-hmm. and he quickly went to healthcare.gov. So um, that seems to be the case. Is there an advantage for going directly to a insurance company like Blue Cross as opposed to going um, through uh, health healthcare.gov do they um, would they have different plans um, offered in different places so a couple of years ago when uh, the provision of Obamacare that asked people to you know you have to have insurance otherwise you pay a penalty when that provision kicked in I think it was 2014 uh, I knew that I wanted Independence Blue Cross because um, at the time I don't know if they still have it Independence Blue Cross had a really cool program where if you had their health insurance, you could pay $100 for the year or $50 each month, and you could get a membership at participating gyms. So I thought that sounds really sweet. I'd like to go to Independence Blue Cross. What was nice is because I was making less money at the time, 
I was able to partner with a, uh, an operator at Independence Blue Cross, and they actually connected with a healthcare.gov operator live, and the three of us were able to talk about, you know, how much of a uh, tax incentive do I get to get this health insurance, um, what features do I need it to have, and all that jazz. So it really depends on the needs of an individual. If they really like the insurance that they've been getting, and now they're going out on their own, and they want to see can I still you know, get this insurance even though I'm not working for an employer that offers it anymore, but I want it so I can run a business? Um, that would be a perfect opportunity to call uh, that insurance company directly. Okay. The other thing to keep in mind also, and this is one piece of advice that I give a lot of people who might be striking out on their own or they want to see what else there is out there, uh, talking to your primary care physician or other doctors that you like to see on a regular basis and asking them, what insurance plans do you accept? And are there any insurance plans that you will definitely not accept? That was one thing that helped me in the beginning when I was thinking about, you know, do I want Independence Blue Cross or are there other plans that I should be aware of in case the doctor who has, you know, gotten to know me, my um, illnesses might be, or any other quirks that I have that it, it would take a long time for another doctor to get up to speed on. Knowing what insurance options are preferred by your doctor could be the thing that helps guide you as you're making that decision. Right. I mean, I can imagine. I've been there before. I mean, if you take a look at the cost of something and you base a decision uh, totally on the cost and then all of a sudden find out that your doctor is not a network anymore, mm -hmm. um, you know, that could come as a huge shock uh, and probably, like you said, something that you want to take a look at before making that decision. Absolutely. So premiums, you know, the, the stories have been around, premiums have been going up and providers have been dropping out of states. Uh, how far in advance so can somebody be able to look? I mean, so right now we're in June and the, uh, the enrollment period would open in November 1. Is it too soon to start trying to figure out what you need to do at that point in time? If it was me, I would probably be checking the healthcare.gov marketplace as we get closer to open enrollment, because as you mentioned, um, premiums are increasing and providers have some important decisions to make because you have an administration that is actively trying to dismantle a, um, a piece of legislation that has done a lot of good, and they're trying to figure out how do we continue to serve the people who really need this life-saving insurance while contending with the fact that we have a group of people that really don't want this provision to continue. So for us at uh, Get Covered Philly, the grassroots campaign that I launched last year with some good friends in order to promote the open enrollment period, we had our own uh, find your you know local navigator uh, searchable database on our Get Covered Philly website so that you could see, well, who is near me in the city of Philadelphia that I can talk to if I have questions about uh, open enrollment or if I have questions about what kind of insurance I'm going to need. The thing that we found is that there was a lot of outdated information uh, on the healthcare.gov website that could be attributed to some of the slashing and reductions to budget that the current administration was doing so that there was uh, less people being able to confirm if information was correct or not. So for me personally, again, as somebody who's not a, an insurance broker and doesn't have intimate knowledge or close relationships 
with the insurance companies that have a presence on the marketplace website, I would say no more than maybe one month out. You know, you can start taking a look at healthcare.gov or start talking to insurance providers and seeing what the options are. And then take a look again, maybe one or two weeks before the open enrollment period begins on November 1st, just so that you're getting the information you need. The other thing to consider also when it comes to insurance is that even though there are basic benefits and costs listed in a snapshot on the healthcare.gov website, or you get this basic information when you talk to uh, an insurance broker or somebody that represents an insurance company, if there are very specific healthcare needs that you have, you definitely want to confirm um, in as much detail as possible if that insurance policy will cover uh, the particular procedure or uh, medical benefit that you need. And the one group of people that I'm thinking about in particular are women who need birth control like IUDs or birth control pills. If you want to make sure that you are on a policy that will definitely cover that, it's good to be absolutely positively sure. Gotcha. So you got you work with a, or you created this organization, uh, Get Covered Philly. Can you tell me a little bit of, a little bit more about what you did there? Absolutely. I'm very proud of Get Covered Philly. We were able to accomplish quite a bit in the limited time that we had to make an impact. It basically started because I was, you know, like other people, I was pretty disappointed to hear that there was an active uh, movement to try to undermine the wonderful things that the Affordable Care Act was doing. As I mentioned earlier, the Affordable Care Act has helped to reduce the uninsured rate in this country. So it's had a measurable impact of making people's lives better so that they're able to focus on other aspects of their lives since they have health insurance and they don't have to worry that they're about to go into bankruptcy. It's not perfect, but it's definitely a big step forward that we needed as a country to have happen. With Get Covered Philly, the idea was let's take this energy that people are having about protecting this important piece of legislation. There were people that I noticed on Facebook who were saying, congratulations, did you know that the open enrollment period for health insurance is happening from November 1st to December 15th? They were doing this because they wanted to trick the Facebook algorithm into broadcasting this information to a bigger audience. So we thought, let's capitalize on that. Let's do a social media campaign. Let's partner with local organizations in the city of Philadelphia. Let's have a website that connects people to a living, breathing human being that can help them understand their options so that they're able to get health insurance. And that was the goal with Get Covered Philly. Let's use resources that already exist to the maximum effect to fill the gap that's been left by this drastic cut to the Affordable Care Act's marketing budget. So are you going to be doing the same effort uh, again this year? I assume that there's going to be you know, the same thing where there's not going to be as much advertising dollars towards uh, promoting it. Um, what you guys? Unfortunately, yeah, there, the story doesn't seem to be changing this year. And there were news reports that came out after open enrollment last year that uh, even though there was a, a slight dip in the amount of uh, re-enrollments and new enrollments that were expected, it still stayed pretty close to what the rates were the year before when there was those marketing dollars available so that you could see ads on social media and radio spots and television. 
So people do care about this legislation and they want to see the most vulnerable in our population receive health care. And to answer your question, yes, uh, Get Covered Philly will continue. And um, I'm going to be kicking up those efforts over the summer, beginning with our wonderful Navigator database, so that we have accurate information if people in the city of Philadelphia want to speak to somebody and find out what their options are for health insurance, they have a person that can actually advise them in person and they don't have to worry that they're going to miss that deadline or not be informed. Because insurance can be complicated. It is nice to have somebody there explaining hold, things to hold you. Hold on a second. I thought I heard from the president that insurance wasn't complicated. <laughs> well, the thing with insurance is when you have a company that um, by law has stakeholders and they have to turn a profit, it can get very convoluted. So the process of registering for insurance is much easier than it's ever been. But when you have premiums changing, when you have, you know, some benefits are covered and some aren't, that is a good reason to become an advocate for yourself and figure out, well, what is it about this particular insurance plan that I need to be most aware of? So that's why you have, you know, uh, certified application counselors. That why, that's why you have insurance brokers. I mean, the way I like to explain it, when you buy a car, you go to a car dealer and they're able to get you the best deal on the car. But when that car breaks, you're not going to take it back to the dealer. You're going to take it to a garage so that somebody can take a look at it. Uh, There are some things in this world that you want an actual expert to go over with you so that you know that you're doing what is best for you and you're not losing money on it. So Unfortunately, the process of getting health insurance can be confusing and there can be a lot of pieces to it, but knowing where to go to get help is definitely important. And that's what we try to do with Get Covered Philly is let people know where can you go to get help and make a difference. And you're based out of Philadelphia, but are there uh, similar uh, organizations around the uh, country doing the same type of thing, helping people get, uh, uh, get coverage? Yeah, we actually partnered with Get America Covered, which was an initiative. I think that's what it was. Get America Covered was an initiative that was founded by uh, ad agencies in the United States that decided they wanted to take a stand and help get the word out about open enrollment. So there are larger efforts, and um, I would be very shocked if there were not smaller efforts in um, different states around the country that wanted to get involved and say, here's how you get health insurance. I was impressed by people like Barbara Lee, who's a a, a congressional representative out in California. Uh, Barbara Lee is somebody that I follow on Twitter. And uh, even though we don't live in the same state, I was always really impressed by how vocal she was about getting open enrollment promoted. So whenever I saw posts of hers on Twitter that were really cool, I would retweet them, even though they were geared specifically to folks in California I really supported her advocacy and wanted to amplify her voice and her mission, so I was happy to retweet it. And that's what it takes. It takes concerned citizens to retweet information and share it with their networks to get this grassroots effort off the ground. Excellent. So real quick, um, I want to take a a kind of change gears. And another thing that is important is retirement. And how, uh, as an entrepreneur or freelancer, how do you take care of making sure that that is, um, is taken care of moving forward when you're working on your own? 
Um, what, what suggestions do you have there? Sure. I mean, the most important suggestion I have is do not delay. If you even have just a couple of dollars that you can put to the side every month to go into a, uh, a retirement savings account, put that money aside because at some point, you know, that, that retirement's going to sneak up on you a lot quicker than you think. And you're going to be an older person who may not be able to work or who wants to enjoy their golden years and having that money available to support you and sustain you while you go on those adventures is going to be key. I was fortunate because when I worked in retail back in 2007, there was a customer who came in on a regular basis that took a liking to me and I would talk to her whenever she came in the door and she had said, Marta, you know, you never get that time back. So if your company offers, you know, matching benefits when it comes to retirement, take advantage of it and put as much to the side as you can into that account so that you don't have to worry. So as a result of her advocacy and letting me know you need to start saving for this now, I got a substantial head start on my retirement savings back in 2007. So I've been saving for over 10 years now. And uh, my 401k that I had from my company that had that offered, you know, matching benefits, I was able to roll that into a Roth IRA after I left that company. And I still contribute a good amount of it, you know, a good amount to it each month. That's awesome. Yeah, I think um, that's one of the things I remember tell, telling people that reported to me at my previous company, they were a lot younger than myself. And I would test tell them, look, take advantage of whatever is being given to you. Um, start as soon as possible. It comes up fast. Trust, yeah. trust me, I know it comes up fast. Yeah. Another thing to consider when you are looking at the best deals that you can get or good financial advisors when it comes to starting a retirement account, um, making sure that uh, somebody is a fiduciary. That basically means that um, when you hire a financial advisor, you ask them, uh, can you take the fiduciary oath? Are you willing to tell me that um, you will not offer me any products that are solely there to benefit your bottom line and get you a commission, but you will um, advise me on my finances so that they benefit me first? And if there are any benefits for you that I am aware of them. There was actually a really good bit on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver that talks about retirement and some of the pitfalls that people might face as they look for a financial advisor or when they're getting ready to save for retirement. And I highly recommend it. It's, it's very funny, but it also takes a serious look at what could possibly go wrong if you're not planning accordingly. Excellent. And now I, what I'll do is I, I, I do remember that that was a, that was a while ago. I'll put a link to um, that, uh, that reporter, that, uh, that piece in the show notes. Great. So, uh, and I know you, you did a, a, a fantastic thing of just kind of providing a few links to uh, some helpful sources. I will also put those in the show notes um, so that people have those. Um, at, uh, just closing, if you have, I think one of my big takeaways from this is that there's a lot of help out there mm-hmm. that you don't have to kind of, you don't have to feel alone. I think just in general, when you go out on your own, that you feel like you're alone in everything, mm-hmm. that this is one of, there, there's help for you all, all across, at least you know, in health insurance, as well as in uh, retirement. Um, is there anything else that you would say in terms of like general recommendation for people? 
the biggest piece of advice I can give people both from a health insurance standpoint and just general life advice is that you are your own best advocate. I learned that um, kind of in a sad way when I was a Peace Corps volunteer. My health really deteriorated while I was a volunteer and eventually I had to make the painful decision to leave my service early. I don't regret that decision though. As the years have gone by, I've realized that I had to do what was best for me, otherwise I would have faced having a possibly chronic condition for the rest of my life because I was having such horrible stomach problems. But you are responsible for raising the alarm for yourself if you think that something is not right or that you think that you could be getting a better deal. And that also goes into something I had said earlier, which is never assume that a procedure, a prescription, or a doctor that you like seeing is going to be covered by your plan. If you're not sure, you are within your right to be able to pick up the phone and call your insurance company while you have it. And even if you're not sure if you're going to go with that insurance plan, calling them to say, hey, I'm not ready to start a family yet, so I'd like to get something like an IUD that prevents that process from taking place. Do you cover that? If you don't, which you know variations of this plan or this procedure do you cover? What's nice is, as I mentioned earlier, um, women's screenings are covered, but there might be aspects of a screening that is not covered. I got a blood test to see if my potassium levels were doing all right a couple of years ago, and I found out later that the potassium test wasn't covered, but the rest of the exam was. So never leave anything to chance and make sure you're looking out for your own best interest when it comes to your health in all matters, but also doubly true for looking into health insurance. Excellent. Marta, I, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with me today to, to discuss this important subject. And I will put links to, uh, to, you know, like I said, everything that we discussed today in the show notes so that people have access to those resources. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Spencer. No problem. All right, there we go. That was the end of episode eight. I think it was Jason in episode five that said to me that it's around uh, the seventh episode of podcast where uh, things tend to die off a podcaster. So I feel like I've climbed Mount Everest, at least the Mount Everest of podcasting. Um, I hope uh, I hope you got. Uh, some value out of this podcast. I think it will be very valuable. Um, but by all means, if you have any questions, go into the comments on the website, nextexit.site, and uh, maybe we can start a conversation there. Uh, if you, um, you know, if you really found this helpful, um, by all means, share it with your your networks on all the sites. And uh, if you can find it into your heart to to go into to the iTunes store and give me a written review and a five-star review. That will be awesome. It helps get the word out. Um, and that's what seems like it's been, uh, you know, it's been my job for the past uh, few weeks. We'll be taking a couple week break. Uh, just I'll be traveling a little bit. And so instead of trying to do this on the road, we'll, um, you know, we'll come back to you in, uh, in your podcast app in about two to three weeks. Um, in the meantime, that gives you a chance to catch up on all those podcasts that you've um, that you've missed, um, and we'll see you then.